And the question for today is, why do we go up and read from the Torah like this? It's, it's an interesting format. It's not generally how, we, how, how people from a church uh, background are used to. And we're going to look at that together today. So uh, why don't we read something that Paul wrote to Timothy? And it may be a key to help us understand this dynamic. Let's read it together. Until I come, pay attention to the reading, to preaching, and to teaching. We're going to key on where he says, pay attention to the reading. The New American Standard says, pay attention to the public reading of Scripture, but they italicize the words of Scripture, so public reading of Scripture, so that it it indicates that it just says, pay attention to the reading. The Greek word for the reading is anagnosis. Can we all say anagnosis? In Hebrew, it's just kriya. Can we all say kriya? For instance, when we sing the Shema together, in Hebrew, that's called Kriyat HaShema. We are, we are crying out the Shema. We are reading the Shema, as it were. Okay, but in Greek, it's anagnosis. We can remember that because of diagnosis is when you do a reading on maybe a, an engine or something, and you're trying to figure out what the problem is. So you can see that root word there, anagnosis. So let's read this passage together. And maybe it'll give us a clue about what this reading is that Paul says to Timothy, the believer should pay attention to. Let's read it together. After the reading and agnosis of the Torah and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, speak. So, context here. What is the anagnosis? It's the reading of the Torah and the prophets. Let's move on to the next uh, scripture. This one is from Acts chapter 15. The big question was, do Gentiles have to be circumcised, convert to halachic Judaism? Do they need to do the whole Torah to be saved? This isn't about an expression of a righteousness or anything. This is a question of salvation here. And this was the common sense about the Torah from the mouth of Yaakov, of James. Let's read it together. Therefore, my judgment is that we don't trouble those from among the Gentiles who turn to God but that we write to them that they abstain from polluted vials, from sexual immorality, from what is sinful, and from blood. From Moses, from generations of old, as in every city, those who preach him, being read and agnosis in the synagogues every Sabbath. So, a couple, couple key points here. Number one is the expected that these believers should at least stick to the very, very basics of Torah. These laws are from the book of Leviticus, and it's actually in a section known as the heart of the Torah, in the book of Leviticus. Total basics. Like, if you do any of these things, worshipping idols, engaging in immorality, then, you know, religious Jews won't even sit down to eat with you. And this is a problem. So they were establishing some baseline conduct requirements so that believers could at least have fellowship with each other and sit down to break bread, like we do every Shabbat at One. Um, there's, you know, some people would say, okay, well, these are the only things that apply to Gentile believers, these four basics, but it's, you know, when you read the New Testament, the Brit Chadashah, you discover very quickly that there were a lot of other things from the Torah that the early believers, including the non-Jewish believers, they practiced, Paul taught from, Paul listed quite a few other commandments from the Torah that obviously applied to everybody. So that's, that's the point number one that's important to realize, the, the whole point of this. And uh, the second one is what he says about... Oh, we can back up back to that. Um, the second point from that is... Uh, okay, uh, 
you know, it, for the last couple of centuries, uh, kind of general church scholarship has been, James had a very negative view of the Torah in this passage. He was saying it's hopeless. The Moses has been read, read forever, all over the place, and a lot of good it's doing. That's, that's been the, the consensus kind of general feel in academic Christendom for the last however many centuries. But in the last century, there's been a real awakening to the fact that Yeshua, Jesus was Jewish, and that he loved the Torah, and that the early believers did also, including Paul. And, uh, I'm, you know, for those of us who are here for our Rosh Chodesh uh, celebration, we covered quite a few historical references to that fact. That tells us that James had a positive view, and he was speaking in a positive way about the readings from the Torah here. Um, you know, we have to remember in the first century, everybody didn't have their own copies of the Bible. If you wanted to hear the Bible, you had to go to the synagogue where they had a scroll and they would unroll it on Shabbat and you would get to hear the word um, proclaimed and taught on. And it was a very exciting experience and something that everybody looked forward to. So if the early believers, who were God-fearers, most of them to begin with, and were already going to synagogue, wanted to hear the word, where would they have to go? That's correct. And so they were basically just kind of setting the groundwork here, so that the believers could continue going and hearing the Word of God and giving them room to grow in their discipleship, giving them room to grow in their observance. And that was the expectation. And where did it all kind of hinge on? It hinged on the anagnosis, the reading of the Torah. Let's read the next passage. This is a really beautiful one because it's about our Master, and ultimately, we as disciples are all about Him. We're all about imitating Him. So let's have a look at what He did. Let's read it together. He came to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. He entered, as was his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Anagnosis. So what, did our, what was our master's custom? What was his habitual pattern of behavior? He would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath, just like you're doing in this room, and he would stand up to what? Read. To read what? The Torah. That's correct. So why do we do this? Yeah, because he did. If it's good enough for the goose, it's good enough for the gander. If it's good enough for the rabbi, it's good enough for his Talmudim, his disciples, right? So, Yeshua is my ultimate hero, and if he does something, then it's good enough for me. That is the core of why we stand up to read from the Torah. And, you know, the fact that they did that in the synagogue in that time, and in the early believing communities, and that they continue to do that in the Messianic Jew Jewish movement today, is, is also a great reason to do that. We're, uh, we're, we're not just, like... A congregation, we could even call ourselves a synagogue based on our previous discussion. And that's just what we do. It's our culture. <laughs> okay. So we can look at the next verse here. I just want to read this one together with you again, because this is straight from Paul's mouth. And I mean, Paul carries a lot of weight, doesn't he? If Paul says it, then we should take it seriously. Until I come, pay attention to the reading, to preaching and to teaching. So now we know what the context is for 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. There is a real trend in the broader Christian community to try and get back to being like the early church, to doing things like the early believers. Why? Because we want to have that same intimacy with the Father. We want to walk in that same power. And because God has an agenda to restore us as a people. So for people who want to be like the early church and do stuff like the early church, do you think there's good evidence for reading the Torah every Sabbath? I think so. Maybe it's like the original discipleship program. That's how I would look at it. I'll, I'll share with you my own personal view of it. You know how like Yeshua is our bridegroom 
and we're his bride, and he's betrothed us to himself. You know, he, he gave us the cup at Passover. We drank from the cup, and now we're waiting for his return while he's gone to prepare a place for us. And it's like this beautiful romantic story, right? Well, here's the cool thing. Remember Esther? She didn't just marry the king right away, did she? What did she do first? It's a picture of us. Hmm? She had a whole year of getting ready. How long does it take to read through the Torah? A whole year. I, I almost think that going through the Torah on an annual cycle and getting better acquainted with our God and what he asks of us as a people, the lifestyle that he invites us to, maybe it's like bride preparation. I think it's something that the body of Messiah as a whole would do very well to, to plug into. So that's our, that's our Lama talk for today, why we read from the Torah. And we'll talk in the future about why we have seven readers, why we do some of the other things we do in conjunction with that. Shalom, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.